All right. First Peter. My bad. Second Peter. Y'all know where I'm going. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. And um, I feel like I'm in a press for time. And I mean that tonight, but I, I mean that this season, I just, I feel like I'm running out of time. I, I, I feel like, oh God, Lord, it's so much that, that you want us to have and that you want us to understand. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about physical possession. I'm, I'm talking about revelation. I'm talking about understanding. The scripture teaches us um, that God is really interested in us knowing and in us understanding. The scripture says very clearly, in all thy getting, get an understanding I feel like I just I've I've been so just on edge you know every after every after every service after every uh, wow night after every Sunday service after every kingdom university there's just always this preponderance of affirmation that I still haven't shared with you and I just feel like I'm in press for time and it's not that I think that I'm about to die it's just that I think that we're on the brink of a breakthrough and one of the things that would be challenging I'm sorry would be detrimental in the midst of our journey right now is if we get there and don't know how to stay there that's one thing I don't want. And then the, on the other end of the perspective is that if God gives us an open door and we don't have enough maturity to go through it, you know, we, we don't have the capacity to even, you, you, you know, truly understand what it is that the Lord is doing. And so I feel like, you know, we need to work out our soul, our salvation in this season. I feel like, you know, it requires so much more than we're functioning with right now. And I just want to encourage all of you all who think you understand God, who think that you know the Bible. I want you to humble yourself and fall back in love with something as if it's the first time again. I want I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be open to new knowledge. I want to, can I, am I just talking or, you know, are y'all hearing me? I I want to challenge you to, to be open. I want to challenge you to, I don't want you to erase what you know, but I want you to put that aside. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit and really make the Holy Spirit available to teach you as you've never been taught. I don't want you to be distracted by all the distractions because they will come. Amen. Jesus was up in the upper room teaching and a young man was sitting in the window listening to him. And in the middle of Jesus teaching, in the midst of Jesus outpouring, the young man fell out the window. (laughs) Jesus kept on teaching. You got to learn how not to be distracted by interruption. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. I should not not be distracted distracted by interruption. Now, I learned that when I was young, I learned that when I was being disciplined on focus, I learned that. And therefore, you know, it could be a little a whole lot going on to the left or right. But if I know I have a focus, I learn how to keep 
fixed. I know how to keep my eyes, my gaze. I learn how to to not allow my attention to be divided because something is seeking attention. Amen. That's one of the things that the enemy wants you and I to do is to notice him. The enemy wants to be noticed. I'm going to tell you, amen, spirit of darkness, spirit of evil, uh, spirit of division, spirit of anger, spirits uh, uh, that that come from uh, the work of our opposer. They are all attention seeking. You got to learn, you know, there are some people that are coming to your life to frustrate you. You got to learn how to let those people argue with themselves. I know how to shut down an argument. Leave you to yourself. You can't argue with me, but you can't argue with you all you want to. And that's one of the things that I understand about how the enemy seeks. Uh, the scripture says that he roams to and fro. And then it uses this adjective, seeking. Hmm? Or I'm sorry. Uh, that's a verb. He uses this. The scripture uses in KJV. The scripture uses seeking, seeking. That means that is a active pursuit, seeking whom he may devour. And so, if you, if the enemy can make you notice him, then he has successfully distracted you from what your gaze was fixed upon. Come on, somebody. And one of the things that, you know, makes me feel like I'm just in a hard press is because I, I don't want I don't want the, the the genesis of a new year. I don't want this, this the, the beginning of this new season to be full of distractions that I pay attention to, though the weapon form. They might be there. It shall not prosper. It's not going to prosper if I don't help it. It's not going to prosper if I don't believe it. It's not going to prosper if I don't pay it any mind. I don't want this season to come. And because of distractions, we don't get everything that God wants us to have. And so over here in first Peter chapter two, uh, I shared with sorry, second Peter chapter two. I shared with you all on Sunday how I've always been drawn to this text because of the virtues expressed in the chapter. If you do this, you'll obtain this. And if you obtain that, you'll obtain that. And if you obtain that, you'll obtain that. You see that somewhere around verse five, verse six, verse seven. Do you see that? And besides all of this, giving all diligence, if you add to your faith, virtue, if you add to your virtue, you'll obtain knowledge. If you add to knowledge, you'll obtain temperance. And I've always been drawn to that part of the text because that helps me to build character. And that's why I call it virtues, even though the first, you know, the, the, the first offering, uh, the first getting is virtue itself. All of these things are virtues. I also consider them to be different levels of grace. Amen. Different levels of grace. If you add to your virtue, you'll obtain knowledge. Me with my stupid self, if God ever make me strong, it's because of his grace. <laughs> Anybody still willing to admit that if you take God out of me, I'm probably not going to be half of what I am right now. 
Amen. It's just, just my way of remembering how, you know, how much, how much I need God. I didn't pass. I didn't get these degrees on my own volition. I know some people, you know, think that you just think that you're smart. <laughs> but I've seen some really intelligent people mess some stuff up. I've seen people with high IQs end up losing their mind. I, I, I know you probably haven't read those articles and, and read that research, but I've seen people with high IQs, they're intelligent by man's standard, lose their mind. And so it's a grace when you come into knowledge. You know, I, it's a grace when you come into temperance. It's a grace when you come into these virtues, when you come into godliness and brotherly kindness and all of these things that help, you know, increase our, our worthy, our, 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 our worth in the kingdom of God. But it is just now, it is just now in this season. It is just now. I've been preaching for 25 years. Later this year, I'm going to do that thing when you get older and you kind of keep moving forward. So if, if the Lord let me see it, if the Lord let me see August this year, I would be, have been preaching for 26 years this year. But amen, amen. I won't spend no time on that. I just, I just, I only said that to say out of all of that time and much of that time, I've been drawn to this text. If you see my Bible, it's like all marked up right here. And this is just this Bible. I'm just now getting into diligence. I'm just now noticing this. I, I breezed by this. You know, I just took it in and went right to the things that I think matter more. And I'm just now listening to everything that Peter was saying, excuse me, Apostle Peter was saying about salvation. That if I'm going to be saved, I have to give all diligence to it. Mm. I'm just now getting into what the A clause in the fifth verse is saying to me that perhaps I could struggle less trying to please God and trying to serve the Lord. I know you like to use that word trying. So let me back out of that. I could, perhaps I could struggle less working yeah. on my salvation yeah. and working on my service to God if I would be more diligent concerning the things of God. That if I would take the time to get into keeping my commitments, if I could sit with myself and tell self, stop starting and stopping. That if I could wrap my head around everything that God starts in me, God could actually also finish in me. That I might be more successful in my maturation process, in my matriculation process, in the things that I obtain and the things that I've, I work through to create purpose and to be an asset to society. That diligence is very prime and is very important when you're talking about doing a work. And so I want to define it for you. Diligent, to be steady. Yeah. 
diligent, to be earnest, diligent, energetic effort. Diligence sounds good until you get to this next description, definition, sometimes painstaking. That diligence isn't always something that you want to do, but it's required for you to do. Diligence means being engaged. Diligence means being involved in constant activity. That diligence is a problem for people who are quitters. And diligence is a problem for people who are easily discouraged. And diligence is a problem for people who are emotional to a fault. That diligence is a problem for people who get tired of, 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 of output. That diligence is a problem for people who have never seen themselves be transformed. Mm. Diligence is a problem for lazy people. Diligence is a problem for people who struggle with complacency. You get to a point where you peak and you never actually maximize your potential. Come on somebody. Diligence is a problem for people who are satisfied with mediocre. With being average. Average people are not diligent people. Except if you're just good at being not so good. That diligence is going to disrupt your inability to, 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 to mm, let me say this, let me, let me back out of that. That I shared with you at the end of last year, failure is not an option. Yeah. Diligence is gonna disrupt failure. Yeah. Diligence is going to disrupt failure. Yes, I'm gonna say that again, because if you're trying to figure out well, how not to fail, how not to fail if, 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 my, if I don't have a good relationship with learning, how not to fail. If I, if, I, if I don't have a good relationship or a good history with taking tests, how do I not fail then, preacher? If, if, if I don't have a good relationship with classroom instruction, with academics, if I don't feel like I'm smart enough to make it through the academy, I struggled just to get through grade school. So a secondary education seems to be out of reach for me. Then how do I not fail? Because I'm trying it now. Oh, come on, somebody. If I lost my job, but I still have bills due, how do I not fail? Huh? If all the people that said they were going to help me walked away from me, then how do I not fail? You told me I lost the right to fail. So how do I not fail if it seems like failure is my lot? If it seems like I'll never be a good husband, if it seems like I'll never find a good husband. 
how do I not fail? If it seems like I, I, I've been to the altar and I've, I've prayed and then you prayed, Pastor. We were both praying and I still backslid. How do I not fail this time around? I've come with a word from glory for you. I've come with a breakthrough understanding to offer you. I've come with good news from God tonight that the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong. Some of the strongest people in the gym can lift the most. The strongest people in the classroom know the most, but they will not win the race mm, just depending on their strength. There are many of us who fail because we quit, not because we're stupid. That the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong. But what is going to help you to not fail this time is your ability to be diligent. Your ability to endure. Your ability to stay engaged when everything around you is saying quit. Your ability, if your friends leave you and you find yourself having to go about this all alone, your ability to find new friends, mm, your ability to be social even when you're socially awkward because your tutor may be in the next cohort and not the cohort that you're a part of. Your ability to see yourself getting outside of comfortability and figuring out your way through this and it's not going to come if you just roll around in your bed all day and roam around in the street all night. It's not going to come like that and then call that insomnia. No, you're just tired during the day and you're active during the night. It's not going to come because you continue to believe that you will never actually be a part of success. It's going to come because you understand diligence. It's going to come because Nehemiah, what the scripture say, you keep at it. It's going to come because you are in a constant press. Do you understand? I press towards the mark. Amen. I'm not walking because walking is easy. I'm pressing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that's where the painstaking understanding of the definition of diligence comes into play. A press is not convenient. A press is not always comfortable. A press will make you tired. A press will make you sore. A press will make you weary. But if you press, you still going to get there. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. The Uber's late. I'm going to walk. You know, my money declined. I'm going to figure out a way. Glory to God. I'm going to ask somebody. Hallelujah. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. You have not because you asked not. You got to press your way. Glory to God. Some of your engines would still be working if you had asked somebody. Some of your credit wouldn't be messed up if you had just asked somebody. Glory to God. Y'all ain't said it to me. But then there are people who ask and then when they don't get what they ask for, they give up. Sometimes you need to be denied. Because that's going to pull out the press. Sometimes you need to be declined because that's going to pull out the press in you. Sometimes you need to be rejected so you can understand where your help comes from. It don't come from where you think it's coming from. My biggest and best blessings came from indescribable places. 
unsuspectable sources. But you don't get it because you stop, you get it because you're pressing. Hallelujah, I'm not pressing, I'm not pressing for nothing. I'm not pressing for nothing. I'm pressing because I'm not gonna fail this time. I'm still going to the class and I just failed every test in the first half of the semester, but I'm still pressing. The least I'm, the, the, the least the teacher's gonna give me, glory to God, if they gonna fail me because of my test, they gonna give me an A for my effort. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Glory to God, hallelujah somebody, because there's a press in me. Glory to God, I remember when I didn't understand, I had to keep pressing. Glory to God, and you don't not, you might have to add to the class study hall. Don't complain about the teaching if you're not going to study with the teacher. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Don't complain about the problem if you're not going to be a part of the solution. Glory to God. You are misappropriating your energy telling everybody your story. There are some people that are not going to understand till they see you in your better and then they'll open your, their ear to understand what it took to get you there. Look at somebody and say, you have to be diligent. Over in business, and this is the year, of kingdom business. Over in business, there is this notion called due diligence. I cannot talk about and bring you into the understanding of kingdom business and see Apostle Peter talk about being diligent, diligent, and not help you to understand what due diligence is. Due diligence simply means that you take reasonable steps in order to satisfy a requirement. It's often understood in real estate transactions. It's often understood in buying and selling, marketplace business. It's often understood in acquisition, due diligence. You might not have heard this if you have never closed on something. You might not be familiar with this if you're not familiar with trade. You might not have, have had this lesson or this experience in life if you've not acquired something of great substance. But it's important for you to know about it now because we're in the year of kingdom business. And if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do business and you're gonna be successful at business, then you're going to have to understand that there's an economy that's tied to the world of business, even in God's world. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> People don't really understand how much of God's world involves an economy. But all the way through the word of God, there was an exchange. And we even meet Christ 
in his adulthood having an occupation. That he wasn't so Christian (laughs) that he didn't have a job. We meet all the disciples who would eventually be apostles. We meet them who would eventually establish the Lord's church. We meet them when Christ pulls them away from their job. And, 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 and some of them were gainfully employed, having a bad day at work, but still out there fishing. And they weren't fishing for recreation. They were fishing for livelihood. We meet them and Christ says, I don't want you to change your job. I just want you to change your purpose. Well, if we follow you, how are we going to take care of ourselves? (laughs) Because even though we have a faith, where is our economy going to come from? That was, Christ did not reject that question because in that moment, they were doing their due diligence. (laughs) I'm grown enough to understand that I need to understand how I'm going to take care of me. If I'm going to make this exchange, huh? If I'm going to accept your offer, then I need to do due diligence diligence, reasonable steps that you take in order to satisfy a requirement that most immature people make decisions without doing due diligence. The car looks good on the outside. The apartment, I just like the way, I just like the way it just, I like the color of the wall. I love the kitchen. You didn't even open the cabinets and look under there and see if it was mold. I just like the way it looks. It is a really nice Mustang. I mean, that thing was shining. Yeah, yeah, because they shine the outside because they know we like shiny things. But did you go and you look and see if there was any rust in the engine bay? Did did, did you open up and you pull past the engine cover and did you get down there and see if anything was leaking on anything? Yeah, yeah, because how many of us are victims of not doing due diligence? You went to that school because they partied well, not because they graduated well. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That, you know, there is this such thing, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, as the graduation rate. You know, for all that you take in, how many are actually leaving having obtained their degrees? Uh, that, that, if, if, that, that, that we got in relationships because the outside looked real good. Oh my God, they look good, they smell good. Huh? You were in a whole relationship and you didn't even know their breath stunk because you didn't do due diligence. Huh? 
Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Amen. And that's 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 often how, you know, we get heartbroken uh, because we are net dating. We are cyber dating. We are, you know, Tinder dating and Twitter dating and Facebook dating. And you realize they cute, but they feet stink. And some things are just a deal breaker. And I can't commit to somebody I ain't never seen. That's not doing my due diligence. Hallelujah. And then I'm thinking about making this person the mother of my children, the father of my children. And I don't even understand enough to know about their morality. I don't even understand what their values are. I don't even understand what their beliefs are. Oh. You know, if that even matters to you, that our kids have grown up confused because they don't know if they're an atheist, if they're a Muslim, if they're a Catholic, or if they're a Christian. Because I messed around and put the main thing behind and put the other thing in front. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Glory to God, help me, Holy Spirit, that we don't do our due diligence because of a lack of maturity, that we don't do our diligence because of laziness. We don't do our due diligence because we might not like the answer. We may not like the result. We may not like what we discover. We like what we like. But what you, the problem is with when you like something that don't like you back. You know, and you sitting somewhere praying that the car would keep going and the car don't like you enough to live too much longer. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Do due diligence. You're putting in gas, but you never treated the engine. Do your due diligence. You're signing papers and you don't even understand what the APR is. You don't even understand what the percentage of your loan, the interest rate of your loan is. You don't even under, you're, you're applying for loans and you don't even understand how it even works. And then you don't even realize that in six months you're upside down. And you don't even know what upside down is. But you're signing contracts and you're financing assets. And you're not doing your due diligence. You don't even understand where you're buying it from. You don't even understand what institution you are signing up with. You don't even understand where her family comes from. You don't even understand the upbringing, what's behind, what the foundation is of what it is that you're drawn to because it just might change your mind. And that's what due diligence does. It changes your mind. If it needs to, it changes your mind. It either gives you confidence or it either calls off the deal. It I wish, I, I thank God that God did some of my due diligence for me when I wasn't smart enough and wise enough to do my due diligence for myself. I'm glad that God changed my mind. I go in the mall and I see people that I used to like and I say, God, I thank you that you changed my mind. Oh, that God <laughs> I thank God that you changed my mind. I'm glad I didn't major in stuff that I thought I should major in. You changed my mind. But you get old enough to know better yourself. And there's some things that you can't re a lot rely on God to do for you. That if you're going to do business, you got to do due diligence. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, if you're going to do business, we got to do due diligence. We got to do due diligence. 
Hallelujah. We got to do due diligence. We got to do due diligence. I want to massage that into your understanding. We got to do due diligence. We got, I'm sorry, talking tongues sometimes when the Holy Ghost starts talking back to me. We got to do due diligence that we cannot go through this year blind. We cannot go through this year making immature decisions. We cannot go through this year being senseless and stupid. Huh? We got we to gotta make informed decisions. Help me, Holy Spirit. Glory to God. We got a fast understanding that this fast can, it has the power to change my life. How am I fasting? I don't even understand where it is in the scripture. How am I fasting and I'm believing and I don't even understand what faith is. How am I fasting and I'm believing? The only word I know is what the preacher has said. I'm not even doing my due diligence. I'm a Christian and I don't even know how, I don't even know five Bible verses by heart. I know lyrics by heart. I know movie scripts by heart. I know people's poems by heart. I don't even know the word of God yet. I don't have enough of that in my heart. I got Bibles. I got more than one Bible. And I don't even understand how many books is in it. I don't even understand where the old starts and the New Testament begins. I don't even understand what the Gospels are. I don't even understand who the prophets are. I don't even know what the Pentateuch is. I don't even understand enough about the word to have the word in my heart so that I can stop sinning against God. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even do due diligence. I get mad and I stop tired. I don't even understand I'm cursing my finances when I close my pocketbook to God. I don't even understand that exchange. I don't, I don't know why Melchizedek got the first tithe. I don't even understand, glory to God, amen, how this a law of reaping and sowing works for people in and out the church. I don't even understand what miracles mean. I don't understand how, where they come from. I don't know how to get a miracle. I don't know how to believe God for a miracle because I haven't even search the word for miracles. I just heard about, I just heard about it. I heard that I can talk in tongues. I don't understand what that really means. You as a Christian may not be growing because you're not doing business with God. You are not doing due diligence. And we we're in church, but this ain't going to get us to heaven. This alone, somebody say this alone. alone. Tell them if you come here every night, this alone still won't get you to heaven. Huh? This is only a small piece to your journey into the Lord. Glory to God that 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 your your diligence, your due diligence is more it 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 will lead you beyond the assembly and it will lead you into a relationship with righteousness. It will it will lead you into a relationship where you, be to, where you begin to explore God in ways that you can't do that with other people. Yeah. Amen. That, that, that you can explore God in ways that you got to learn how to pray for yourself. Yeah. That, that you can always be prayed for or prayed over. And I can always tell people who are not comfortable praying publicly is because you don't pray privately. Watch this. Well, no, I do pray privately. Yeah, but for what? 
The reason why it's hard for you to pray for our service is because you've always been praying for blessings. You've never been praying for the spirit. And so when you have to come up here and you can't stand up here and say, Lord, will you give me, give me, give me, give me, give me? Because if that's, the, if that's the majority of the prayers, then you have never done your due diligence and realized that you don't even have to ask God for your needs yeah. if you just ask God for a greater relationship. Yeah. Huh? That people need to understand that God wants to be more than just your supply. Yeah. People need to stop. Christians should stop pimping God. Huh? All we want is healing for our family. All we want is money for our bills. We don't ever want the Holy Spirit. We don't, <laughs> my soul, we don't ever want to just, we don't ever pray for the presence. Do you sit at home and pray for the presence of God? Huh? Is, is all the peace that you get for you? Or have you spent any time praying for Israel? Have you spent any time praying for Ukraine? Have you spent any time praying, you know, for, for other people's peace? Oh my God. That you can't pray in the assembly because you didn't even think about your contribution to the assembly. That if all your prayers is centered on what you want God to have, then that's all you'll ever be is just blessed. But let me tell you why that's not unique. Because he said, I reign on the just and the unjust. Being blessed ain't going to get you to heaven. You didn't see how God blessed sinners. You don't remember how God blessed you and you didn't even bless him back. Being blessed is not unique. Being blessed is not salvation. Being blessed doesn't mean that you're heaven bound. It just means it just proves this point for God so loved the world. It just proves that God loves you. It does not prove that you love God. That if you don't start doing your due diligence, that the reason why you can't evangelize is because you don't know how to, the reason you don't know how to talk to other people about God. The reason why your evangelism is, is, not, is not clicking and ticking, that you having a hard time evangelizing is because being saved, you never imagined that somebody else should have the same experience as you. That sometimes we get saved and we don't even realize that there's a service attached to our salvation. That being saved, that when you find freedom, when you find, if you think salvation is freedom, some people complain about salvation. Some people say, well, you know, I don't even have to go. I don't have to assemble. Some people have so many problems with the plan of salvation for their life that they never get out of just their life. That they never imagine that God wants to use them to save somebody else. Oh my Lord, Hallelujah! Help me. That 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 all your your all of your conversations and all of your journeys with God. If you really get on this path with God, you end up really putting yourself aside, and you start seeing how God will use you, how God will how how God saves you so that He could make you a witness and a light. You know how God the the plan of salvation for your life is not all about you. God saved you for somebody else. 
Hallelujah. The scripture said, and for those of you, well, how do you know that? And what do you mean? The scripture said, amen, the great commission, the great commission was not live for me and love me and serve me until I die. That in the great commission, Jesus Christ did not talk about just the centering their relationship with him and heaven on just centering on themselves that the great commission says go and go ye unto all the world baptizing men creating disciples that the that what christ left us with was a charge a charge to care about more than just your world a charge to care about people more than just your people yeah. that oh god yeah. that that jesus literally left us with a charge he left us with these words do not be caught up in yourself don't be caught up in centering your salvation your life around your salvation yeah. but i want you to do what i did i want you to be on a never-ending journey to increase the kingdom of god yeah. that if you're going to work a natural job don't let your natural job be the defining job let your spiritual job be your defining job your natural work is just your natural work but only what you do for Christ only what you do for Christ I said only what you do for Christ that your natural job it does just that it takes care of your natural business but how many of you all are living to live again how many of you all understand glory to God that this is not my world and this is not my home this is not my final destination that if you're going to do business with the kingdom of God you got to be concerned with the kingdom of God you got to be concerned and a lot of times we get so caught up we're concerned about uh, upward mobility in this life we're so concerned about making money we're so concerned about having friends we're so concerned about our love life we're so concerned about our sense of belonging and our sense of identity while your spirit goes starving while your spirit while your spirit goes malnourished while you have laid up no treasures in heaven glory to God while you have no savings in salvation I wish I had some help in here, but y'all real quiet on me. Y'all being cheap on the braids tonight. Glory to God. That is, it is really important. I want you to see this word in Proverbs. I want you to see this word in Proverbs. It's important for you to invest in the Lord. It's important for you to invest in your spirit. Proverbs chapter 16. Can you meet me there? Amen. It's a proverbial thought. <clears throat> and Proverbs is the book of what? And so understanding Proverbs and knowing Proverbs and visiting with the Proverbs and taking the Proverbs in just, just automatically brings you into wisdom. Just automatically brings you into wisdom. Do you see Proverbs chapter 16? Do you see verse 3? It says, it says commit, my translation says, commit your works unto the Lord. Hmm? Commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. This is why I'm helping you to understand how your natural work should not be your spiritual. I'm sorry. Your natural work should not overshadow your spiritual work. Your natural work should not overshadow 
your spiritual work. That you have to imagine that as much as you pour into your natural work, and I'm going to say it like this, your secular work, that you need to do your due diligence in performing your spiritual work. Well, the thing about it is, when you're not a maturing Christian, you think that you have no spiritual work. You don't even imagine that the spiritual wants to work in you. And you don't even desire the spirit to work through you. And you will never come into the knowledge of your purpose work, your spiritual work, until you do this work. Commit your ways, I'm sorry, your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now, this is a groundbreaking verse for people who deal with the invasion of thoughts about what you were created to do. With people who are constantly battling their mental, uh, uh, all the mental activity around what is my purpose. This is a groundbreaking revelation for people who deal with confusion. This is a groundbreaking revelation. Uh, for people who deal with inconsistency and indecisiveness. This is a groundbreaking revelation for people who have been prescribed medicine for attention deficit disorder. For people who were uh, diagnosed as being ADHD. This is a groundbreaking revelation for people who have problems with their focus. This is a groundbreaking revelation for people who have problems with motivation. If you would commit your works to the Lord. Your thoughts will be established. Oh my God. Oh God. Why did I hit this 10, 15, 20 years ago? I, you know, I'm constantly struggling with, like I was talking about on Sunday, I'm constantly struggling with the idea of leaving. I'm constantly struggling with the idea of quitting. I'm constantly, it's crazy. You know, we can be sure about our relationships and unsure about our salvation. with thoughts of quitting this church we deal with thoughts of quitting the church that you came from quitting the church that you that God sent you to quitting the churches people just deal with all of these thoughts about quitting salvation people deal with all these thoughts about what I'm giving to it you have given Apple you have given Samsung you have given Vizio you have given uh, uh, who makes the uh, in, um, I'm gonna say the Nintendo who makes the um, the PlayStation who is that you have given Sony's 
so much money. You have given Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret enough money to have stocks in it and you don't even own nothing but the lotions and the potions. You will give that away and be questioning what should I give to God's house? Your thoughts are not established because your ways are not committed. No, your thoughts are not established because your ways are not committed. We will fast every month in this year. And if you go about it another year like you did last year, you will only try and you never will do. You never will do. Do we can sign you up with front row seats to the NBA finals and you will not miss that plane and you will not miss that engagement. We can sign you up for the prayer retreat and halfway through you'll be canceling. I got to go to work. Hallelujah. We can sign you up for marriage and you will not miss that appointment. We can sign you up for baptism and it's people that sign up for baptism every year and don't even show up. Don't even show up. Don't, I said don't even show. They don't even call. We got the white robe ready for them. We got the water. We ran it for them. We filled up a, two, a tub with a hundred gallons. Glory to God. And don't even show up, but they will get on the altar. And not the altar of salvation, but the altar of matrimony. Because your ways are not committed unto the Lord. Y'all ain't talking back to me in this in this Marriott. Glory to God. Amen. We'll say, if, if, if you met a millionaire, you were, and they said, if you just meet me in my classroom, I'll teach you the three ways to become a millionaire. And if they issue bulletins and they issue resources, you will read them. But you have had a Bible all your life and you don't have a relationship with it. And that's why you're not a millionaire because you haven't committed your ways to the Lord. You don't even understand that in God, you ain't got to have have a million dollars in your bank to accomplish all your goals you could just have the favor of the Lord on your side the scripture said that the favor of God is better than silver and gold you have not committed your ways to the Lord y'all ain't saying nothing to me Glory to God. Amen. The Lord blesses us with jobs. He blesses us with open doors. He blesses us, you know, with advancement. And we will be more, we will be more committed to our work and we will ease our way out of our worship. We'll ease our way out of our worship. Many years ago, I shared this thing about how we play, how we, how we. Y'all remember? Some of you remember? Let's share it with everybody. That we worship. We worship our work. We work at our play. And we play at our worship. With our worship. We worship our work. We work at our play. And we play with our worship. Hmm? What does that mean? What does that mean? That secularism has become our primary business. That pleasure has become our secondary business. Mm? And worship 
is at the bottom of our business. Hmm? It's become optional. It's become optional. That when God puts all of those things right beside each other and God does an inventory of how much energy you spend in your work and how much energy you expend during your play, your pleasure, your enjoyment, your entertainment, and then how much energy you pour into your salvation. The numbers, it don't make sense. And then what happens is we figure out that, that, that we are sick and all of a sudden we're spiritual. Huh? We found out that we're unemployed. And all of a sudden we, we need prayer. We need prayer. You didn't request prayer. None that whole time you had good money flowing through your pocket. And now you want to request prayer because you don't have a job. Why didn't you request prayer when you needed the Holy Spirit? Why didn't you request prayer when you needed to be when you needed spiritual, spiritual bondages? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break this down. I, you know, I'm deliverance. But what is deliverance? Why didn't you request prayer to be delivered from spiritual strongholds? Why are you requesting prayer to be delivered from the threat of poverty and decline? Help me, Holy Ghost. Huh? Why, why, why is it that the things of God never matter to you? And that's why even though we obtain, we still aren't happy. Because our thoughts are not established. Anybody struggle with your thoughts through last year? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to judge you, but you can at least be honest because God has given a word to you tonight. Anybody struggle to stay focused? Huh? Anybody struggle to be happy? Anybody even struggle even in church? It's crazy. I will rush to a movie. I will rush to a concert. I'll mosey into my Bible study. Oh, you know, we'll be late to this and on time for our flights and we'll fight the counter to let us through the line so we can make the flight. Glory to God. And, you know, we'll do. I don't even know if I, I just go virtual. You know, you could take off in here. God could God could put you on a spiritual plane. And by June, God have changed your whole life between January to June. But you don't even consider this destination worth getting to. Huh? Your thoughts are not established. Your thoughts are not established. Jesus told a young man who said, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. He said, okay, you want to follow me? He said, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Huh? And that makes a lot of sense to us because we follow a lot of people. Hmm? We follow a lot of people. I'm telling you right now, I've, hang, I've hung around famous people all my life. I've been exposed to VIPs all my life. I've been exposed to, to, to political VIPs. I've been exposed to Hollywood VIPs. I've been exposed to uh, 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 music VIPs. I've been exposed to uh, uh, church. I've been exposed to celebrity bishops 
and celebrity movie stars. I've been exposed to a lot of important people and I, one thing that I noticed about those types of people is that they could get just about anybody to follow them. That I've seen people that, you know, if a VIP come through here and, a, and, and, and I've seen people just be willing to just quit their job and go on the road and you don't even know nothing about what the road is going to require. I've seen college students go to concert and meet VIPs and they say, I just want to go. I just want to follow you. They will, they will, they will leave. They will quit their education. They will unenroll. They probably won't even put notice in. They'll just stop going to class. You know, if their favorite artist and their favorite uh, uh, movie star, their favorite, you know, what I'm saying entertainer comes and says, hey, you can follow me. You can. I've seen people be willing to risk it all. I've seen people that don't even, you don't even know who you're following. You know what you think you know. And I've seen people literally make themselves that available to important people. And then I read this story in the word where Jesus found another potential follower. (laughs) A potential follower. But Jesus said, you know, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require something of you. I want you to part with everything. And all of a sudden, the same person who said, I want to follow you, just got missing. I can't even find you. Because Jesus said, don't come to me with that foolishness. Don't come to me because I can perform miracles. Don't come to me because, you know, I got power. Don't come to me because I'm popular. Come to me after you've counted up the cost. And as much as he begged Jesus to follow him, guess what? His thoughts will never be established. That if you keep jumping in and out of Jesus, oh my God, you follow Jesus to the altar. Now God trying to get some things out of you and you get missing when it's time for you to get delivered. You didn't count up the cost that if Jesus asked you for your habit, you'll say, hold on now. Oh, my God, that if Jesus asks you for more time than you planned on spending in Jesus, that you'll say, oh, you know, I'm tired now that we can sit up all stay up all night and binge on Netflix. And when it's time to pull out our Bible, we fall right to sleep because we have not committed our ways to the Lord. Well, I just can't help it. Yes, you can. Don't read it at night. Read it during the daytime. Huh, read it when you do, read it when you read it when you're at your job job read it on your lunch you know read it when you alert don't give God the least of you stop coming in here tipping God like you at a strip club you're in the church of God the Lord said don't bring it if it ain't the first fruit don't bring it if it don't look good don't bring it if it if it ain't perfect I want perfect sacrifice I want the first sacrifice I want the main sacrifice I want your sacrifice to cause you to sacrifice Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. How you got a thousand dollars and you gonna give God the last five? That don't make no sense to God. You can keep that. That's not sincere. That's not everything. That's not that's not honor. There's no honor in that. Come on, help me, Holy Ghost, tonight. There's no honor in that. There's no diligence in that. That God bless you. God opens doors for you and you schedule yourself outside of. 
Come on now. I've seen people, they will come and they, they will go on vacation and they'll hurry back to work. But they'll call in their notice to the church. I ain't going to be there, but I will be back at my job. Hmm? I'm so glad that Jesus don't treat us like we treat him. People were mad. Do y'all remember when they got an attitude with Jesus? Where you been? Like Jesus was out at, you know, uh, Samarit, uh, Smyrna, Vegas, having a good time. Where you been? Huh? He's been sick. We've been waiting on you. We feel entitled to the, entitled to the divine. We feel entitled to the divine. But we will have a problem if he felt entitled to us. So much so we don't even want dying people to die. My God. Because I wait committed to the Lord. Huh? That due diligence is important if we're going to be successful in kingdom business. And if you're not doing business with God, you, don't, you, you won't make it to heaven. That this is not a pie in the sky faith. <laughs> this is not a pie in the sky. He said work while it's day. Work while it's day. Huh? You can't just pray. The Bible says faith without works. Hallelujah, somebody. Don't you see business in that? Don't you see transaction in that? Huh? Faith without works is dead. It takes work to grow up in faith. Have y'all figured that out? It takes work to be faithful. My God. And that's why some of you all are so easily discouraged. Because you don't have faith in you. Because you didn't put it in you. I can preach to you, but you got to be a consumer of the preaching. You you do not remember what I said 30 minutes ago. And so if you don't want to go back and put the work in because, you know, pastor preached a good sermon and I asked you to talk about it and you can't, you say five words and you're done. You're empty. Put no work in it. You're not putting no work in it. You know, if we get in the kitchen and I teach you how to make a cake and you don't take the recipe home. How are you going to ever be a cake maker? And then, you know, you're going to be mad because I fussed at you because you can't make a cake. But I taught you how to make a cake. But one thing I can't do is make you learn. I showed you. But you didn't become a student of it. Uh, That you didn't even call me back and say, I left the recipe. That you didn't even circle back. If you had left your iPhone, you would come back. And you're wondering why your cake business ain't jumping off. Because you you prioritize the wrong things. Come on, somebody help me, Holy Ghost. 
What are you doing? I'm coming back. You're knocking on the door. What's wrong with it? I don't see no fault. I left the recipe. Oh, I know you really want to be a cake maker now. I know you really want to be. You came back for that understanding. You came back for that wisdom. You came back for that recipe. You came back for that knowledge. You came back for that resource. That's how you know. That's how God knows when you really want to be something. Because the Bible says in John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the first thing that the enemy will come to you as being is a thief. And for a long time, I didn't understand, well, what is he stealing from me? He's stealing knowledge. He's stealing knowledge. The scripture said, my people perish for a lack of praise. My people perish for a lack of faith. That's not what it said. It said, my people perish for a lack of and so if you're going to be saved, you got to know what salvation is. If you go, hallelujah, glory to God. I know a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal about salvation, salvation, salvation? Baby, you got to understand that that's your relationship to God. That's your relationship to heaven. That's, 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 that's your inheritance. That's your final destination. Oh my God, help me, Holy Spirit. That's the light on you. When salvation has come on you, the light of God has come on you. That if you're going to be saved, you can't just take this Bible study just because you took it all in. You got to understand when people go to Beyonce concerts, they leave the concerts and start blasting her music. Now you just heard her sing for two and a half hours. Don't you got enough? No, they blast her music. They go home and look at her videos. It's crazy. She got a movie about her concert that was made at the concert. And people that came to the concert are going to look at the movie. And ain't no sermon on none of your playlists. It ain't on none of your playlists. Huh? Ain't, 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 ain't no Bible in none of your knowledge bank. There's no scripture in none of your wheelhouse. Huh? That, that we will give all of our pleasure attention. We'll give it dimensions of our attention. We will listen to the same song a thousand times and you'll read a good scripture one time and say, mm, that's good. Y'all got to excuse my Holy Ghost. My Holy Ghost starts acting up and I start talking in tongues. Amen. That, that you got to understand. And that's why you're not being successful. That's why the spirit ain't jumping off inside of you. That's why you're not experiencing the explosion of worship in your heart. That's why praise is still strange to you because your ways are not committed to the Lord. You're not even enthralled by the things of the Lord yet. You don't even love this. You don't even, this right here is optional to you. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Don't you know I scheduled my flights and my meetings around my commitment to the work of the Lord and that's why all of my bills are paid glory to God and even when I didn't have them paid I still was faithful to God and that's why God ended up making a way for me and for my family because God knew that there was nothing in my life that's what kick him out of his spot number one people say God is first but they serve God like he's last glory to God if he's the first in your life if he's the first in your family family and he's the first in your heart and the first in your mind and the first in your soul then God should know all the things about you and you should be willing to know all the things about God help me Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus 
that we got to recommit our ways. We got to recommit our ways. You reading novels. You reading scripts because you want to be an actor. Huh? You're reading text messages. People are fasting for health benefits. Fasting was not even created for that. Don't you know that that, that is a sure way to disrespect God? Take something that was meant for holiness and use it for secular benefit. People are willing to fast in order to be thin, not fast in order to be free. Isn't that something that we would take two years to get an associate's, four years to get a bachelor, five to seven years to get a PhD, and all types of programs and certificates and other commitments in between just to be educated in this life. And we won't even take any time to be endured with the knowledge of God. Our ways are not committed. If you stop giving, we can't afford this. Huh? When you switch up your commitments in your finances, we may have to shut this down. That if you can't imagine yourself being a financer of the work of God, how can we keep going on? Are we praying for somebody else, for God to send somebody else? Because God sent you. We will come up with thousands of dollars for a down payment and never give thousands of dollars to help finance the mission that helped bring us to God. And you will join with the chorus of the critics who are saying that the church is all about money. That is somebody who has never been all about learning the word of God. That God literally said, I need to establish, I need to establish a place of meeting and I'm going to call for it and you're going to give to it. You're going to provide for it. I have to establish the Levites in the temple. I have to establish the priests in the temple. And God said, I'm going to give you a portion of land. I'm going to give everybody land. Because if I give all the tribes of Israel land, then you will have an economy. And as long as you have an economy, you can support ministry. And then there was this one tribe of Levi. And he left them out of the inheritance of land. He didn't give them any land. And when they said, well, why don't we get any land? Jesus, um, God told Moses and Moses explained to them, because your work is the temple. That I gave everybody but y'all land because you are not going to work the land. You're going to work the altar and they're going to bring sacrifices to the altar and their sacrifices is going to finance your work. Oh, If you stop giving, this cannot go on. Amen. 
And we sit around here and we set up our auto pay for our cellular phone. We set up our auto pay for our Netflix and our Hulu accounts. We set up our auto pay and our drafts for our leases and our mortgages and our cars. And we piddle with what we're going to give to the work of God. It might be a hundred. It might be a dollar. It's whatever I have left. We're not committed. We're not committed. The scripture says where your heart is. There is also your treasure. I'm just talking about stuff that matter. Hmm? And ain't nobody in here that will say money don't matter. I met people that they, they, you know, they could afford a mansion, but they don't live in a mansion. But it's not because they don't have the money. They don't live in a mansion. They live on a boat because they can afford to. They've taken care of their kids. <laughs> They've paid all their bills. They don't owe anybody. But just because they don't live in a mansion don't mean they can't afford a mansion. It don't mean they don't have money. Just because they don't, you know what I'm saying, wear all of their possessions. And see, a lot of times people need to understand that when you come from nothing, you long for something. Yeah. Yeah. You can't compare black folks to white folks. Amen. Most white folks have always had. Amen. Most black folks have never had. So there's a reason why we are struggling because we come from nothing. That means we have a natural longing for something. But when you've always had something, don't let people try to make you mad because you're trying to buy a house. You know what I'm saying? You need to spend. No, 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 you don't understand. My whole family was almost homeless most of my life. Huh? If you ain't never seen that kind of struggle, you ain't never had to struggle for what we have to struggle for. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You do an inventory of black churches and white churches in this city, and you will see most white churches are sprawling. They have campuses. They got blocks. They got 10 buildings for one church. And most black folks are leasing their churches, struggling to buy their church, can't even afford to build their church. Most black churches are storefront churches. And the ones who do have physical brick and mortar churches, they got one, maybe two good buildings, and that's it. And that's something that, that, white, that, 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 that white churches are often established so quickly in the first three years, they're they're. they're they're, they're breaking ground, and then by five years, they've already built. Yes. That black churches are still trying to figure out their way in five years. Yes. It's because we don't, haven't had the means yes. that others have. Yes. But one thing about it, I'm going to be committed. Yes. Yes. Building or no building? Campus or no campus? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Come on, somebody. We in the Marriott because we still committed. We could have shut it down and went virtual. We could have said, you know what, this is the end. But what we told God, you know what, if you're going to lead us on this journey, we're going to follow you everywhere you let. We're going to be committed. You look at all the technology in this room and you think we do all of this for a Wednesday. Glory to God, because we're committed. Oh, come on, somebody. We are committed. And one thing about it is that if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to give God my bare minimum. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna give them my bare minimum. I'm not gonna give them my bare minimum. I'm gonna do my due diligence. The word of God for the people of God tonight. I said the word of God for the people of God tonight. Is there any question, any comment, any question, any comment? I know I'm over time, but I just want to take any question, any comment, anything that's buzzing in your spirit. Amen. I'll answer it quickly. Any question, any comment, anybody want to say anything? Anything, anybody? Any question, any comment? Proverbs 16 and 3. You circled it? You got it? You ready for God to help you with your thinking? Are you ready to help God with your serving? Hallelujah. Commit your ways. You might have to change how you date. Commit your ways. You might have to change your attitude. Commit your ways. You might have to change your commitments. Commit your ways. Anybody? Amen. I'm ready for my thoughts to be established. I don't want to be an unstable businessman. I don't want to be spiritually schizophrenic. My thoughts need to be established. That's powerful. Yes. Amen. Um, this whole due diligence piece is really blessing me because uh, there was a lot of things I had to be diligent in, even this past year. Um, and you spoke on it. You spoke on it um, when you did the car thing. When you said that I had been going through car troubles for over five months, um, still trying to get places, still trying to do everything we did, still serving God and borrowing and being diligent over people's cars that I borrowed. If I borrowed their cars and they blessed me for that time, I paid for, or hey, can I do your oil change? Can I do a tire rotation? Is there a break? What can I do? Because you're blessing me, you're helping me. You know, um, and then when I wasn't doing that, then I was renting. And so um, just over all that, I never was unhappy mm. when I was here and when I was serving. I was never unhappy. You would check on me, I would, I would really be fine. Um, and I just give all glory to God for that peace because over all the years of me being here and growing over the eight years, and this is my ninth year, um, I've just learned that diligence, yes, it comes with maturity and it comes with uh, a level of a little bit of pain, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much because you have God. Yeah. You, because you have God and you're doing it with God, it's, sometimes you forget that you're even yeah. doing that diligence because God will walk you through it. He'll show you how to suffer well. And to that point, um, I, I went through something recently. My Hyundai got stolen, um, my car previously. And um, I was scared because they told me I was going to have to pay $500 to even get it fixed because of my deductible. They called me back and totaled out the car, paid for the rest of the car, and then gave me leftover check. I'm just praising God for the diligence because I wasn't looking for that. I was gonna pay off the rest of my car. I was just grateful for what everything God was doing. And God would just truly take care of you if you literally give it to him. And I was just telling that to Zani and Taylor. So thank you for this word. I'm a true believer and I'm a witness and a testimony.
Our Lord. Yes, sir. We got people watching online, so we got to wait till you get the mic. Thank you. I'm going to stand up. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned within this um, sermon at one point bringing out the verse of the enemy seeking like a lion. Mm -hmm. um, seeking being present progressive, meaning it's always happening. That's in Job. Mm -hmm. For in those Job. of y'all who want to study that. And Job. being present progressive lets me know that Satan is diligent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's the, like he has to be. In order to be an effective enemy to us, he has to be diligent. And that also means the same way, um, Pastor, you've asked us, or the same way God has asked us through you to study, to make sure we stay prayed up, to make sure we let all of the virtues from Second Peter 1 and 5 through 7 work in us. The same way we have to do that, Satan has a study God on each and every one of us as well. Mm. That he's constantly adding to, taking notes away, adding notes into. Like he is diligent, if not more diligent than us, because he doesn't have to rest like we do. So we have to really, and it makes me think that we have to really work at it when we do have the opportunity to be diligent. We have to really work at it because Amen. unlike Satan, we don't have unlimited energy. He, back to the beginning, amen, let's thank God for that. Back to the beginning, the work of darkness, the work of evil, the work of witchcraft, witches and warlocks are diligent at getting our attention. They won't stop until you notice them. If you think about, you know, what I preached on Sunday, you got to learn how to bind. I know there are some people here that weren't with us Sunday. Bind, B-I-N-D. The scripture talks about binding and loosing. Yeah. That when the enemy does grasp your attention, there are some things that will come across your mind that some intrusive thoughts that you should not be thinking. If you're going to live for God, you have to arrest them. You have to bind them. Scripture says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You got to bind them, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? That the warfare that we experience is not the warfare that David experienced. David was a general and a king and a leader of the army of God. They went out on literal physical battlefields to uphold the name and the integrity of God. In this dispensation, our battlefield is our mind. that when we fight, we fight here. Yeah. Not there, yeah. but we fight here. Yeah. And you have to pull down those intrusive thoughts. And that you have to, you have to understand that God, if, if the battle is spiritual, then he's given you spiritual power. Yeah. So the enemy is 
diligent at seeking your attention so he can steal your spiritual equity. Huh? And so what happens is when you start this work of being diligent in spiritual things, you're, you, you, you will grow and you will increase in the spirit, which means now your capital you are, you are more wealthy because you're more wise. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, you'll become more wealthy, become more wealthy. When, you become more wise. when you become more wise. And I know some of you all are not intellectuals yet, and I did, this, I did this like this for a reason, because if I never teach you, if I never teach you, if I just preach you through 2024, you ain't going to make it very far. If I never teach you, if I never teach you and you never get excited about teaching, you are never going to be wise. Some of you all failed your first attempts at bachelor's degree because you were not mature enough to embrace instruction. Some of you same people that failed at 21 went back and took the same course at 25 and made an A. What happened? Maturity you wanted to learn this time punch your neighbor and say do you want to learn this year my god do you want to learn do you want to learn tell them again if you never if if you will be wealthy when you become wise and so that's what the enemy is doing he he's diligent at attacking your mind at attacking your mind you know the devil don't have you know stakes and horns Huh? Y'all understand me right now? You know, the devil ain't dragons and stuff like that. The devil is, you know, a big butt and a smile. That's what the devil is sometimes. How can he get your attention if he don't show you something that you might like? Huh? It ain't temptation if it's not a struggle. How can you be tempted by chocolate and you don't even like chocolate? Huh? And so, you know, how does the devil get our attention? How does he win the war for our mind? He goes for your weakness because he know if I'm going to distract you, I'm going distract, to distract you with something that you don't have no business having. Hallelujah. And so he's diligent, Tayshawn. He is diligent at getting our attention, which means he won't stop. And what Tayshawn was explaining to him, while you sleep, he working. You ain't never had to rebuke something you dreamed about? That was not God. That was not God. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me? Huh? And sometimes the things that you dream about is because you can't stop thinking about it. You can think your way into dreaming about something and then say, I had a dream. No, baby, you really had a nightmare. Because the enemy planted that in your mind. Huh? He is diligent. If he can't get you in your consciousness, he'll get you in your subconsciousness. Huh? There's a lot of activity on that highway. <laughs> it's a lot. Look at him say, it's a lot of activity right now. And I ain't talking about I-85 and 40. Huh? There's a lot of activity on that highway. The devil is constantly running things and running distractions and running thoughts and running feelings and running emotions. Sometimes you got to rebuke your emotions. I know it's good. Yes, it's good sometimes to cry it out, but sometimes it's good to not cry. 
Hallelujah, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I know sometimes it's good to be passionate, but sometimes it's good to settle down. Yeah. Last, last, last one, last one, because Deja, you got to go to work? I do. Um, amen. All right. Hallelujah. Um, amen. So I'm very grateful for the word overall. Amen. Um, Amen. Starting back. I know we're going over, but you know, some of these movies y'all watch last three hours and you don't get up and walk out the theater. Amen. That's right. No, no, no. I ain't talking about her. I know my daughter. She got to go to work. Thank God. She faithful to Bible study. Let's thank God for it. But if you ain't got to go to work. Amen. Okay. So, yes, I'm grateful starting back to when we were talking about um, being born again and like how you have to be a child. Mm -hmm. Um and so like what you're saying, it kind of reminds me when I first was saved. And I remember I would just read the Bible and read the Bible and read the Bible. And at that time, like my family was going through something and my mom, like her mind had shifted in a bad direction. And we had already been homeless and we were about to be homeless again. And so I remember I had read in Proverbs this scripture that was just so amazing to me, and it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like an armed man and rob you, right? And so I remember I used to go out and I would tell her that scripture, because I'm like, mom, you gotta keep working, like, you gotta figure something out, the diligence part. And I remember it was like so hard for her to get it, but it's evidence. And so like when he talks about how the robber came. It was like weeds growing up all over the house. Like everything had just gone bad. And so I'm just grateful for this word overall because it's reminding me that if you don't work at something, you're going to lose everything that you have. And so I'm just very grateful. And then I also just want to say, like you were saying, you just discovered new things in the word, like diligence. And I was reading Nehemiah and I was just so amazed mm. and it just reminded me of being a child again mm. because sometimes you think you know stuff and you really don't know enough yeah. and so I just would say like it's due time to just fall in love with the word and just My fall in love God. with God all over again and commit yourself. My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing that. My Lord. My Lord, thank you for sharing. There's so much power in that. Did y'all hear that? And you went to Nehemiah because that's what we've been going back and forth. We've been talking about working his will. Yes. Amen. And that's, uh, And did you start at? I started at chapter one. Number one. And then I ended up in like chapter seven. Mm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, my mind was so blown because so much of it just reminds me of the Citadel. And like, although like when the wall was built halfway, their strategy became, we're going to keep building, but we're going to build with weapons in our hands. And that was just so crazy to me. And so like just the way that the enemy kept trying to distract them and so many different things. And then I just want to say when Nehemiah, they kept sending for him to come. Mm. And he was like, you know, I'm about a good work. I can't come down. But that just made me think about all of the things that we would come down for. And so it's like those relationships, the careers, the family, whatever it may be, we come down when we really should stay up. And so it was just like a place of repentance. But I don't know. I feel like for the season that we're in, they had the zeal and the mind to do it. And so I believe that for us as well. All the distractions. 
All the distractions. Did you read how many times they tried to get Nehemiah to break his focus? How many threats threatened him so much to where even his own workers were starting to believe what the distractors Mm-mm. I said the workers joined with the distractors. Huh? I, detractors, but I said distractors. <laughs> on purpose. I said that on purpose. That Nehemiah's focus was so firm. Watch this for all of you who have a hard time being committed. What was his secret sauce? Nehemiah's focus was so firm because he held on to his faith. He held on to his faith. Some of us are seeing counselors for things that faith will correct. Oh my God, y'all. Oh my God. You know, you know, and 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 that that became how he was able to complete the work and make believers out of his haters. You gotta understand that there's like an end, but there's a there's a there's a wonder in you finishing. And a lot of times the glory of God is good enough. The fact that we were able to build this wall against all the opposition, against all the hate, against all the the death threats, against losing half of our workers, uh, you know, against health and people. Some people died trying to build the wall. And Nehemiah said, I'm not going to let nothing stop me. And when the wall was built, the glory of God was restored on God's people. Some people won't build if they don't get a check. If they don't get an award, if they don't get a title, what are we going to do stuff so God will be glorified? Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm just here. Something, you know, one day you'll show up for service and it's going to be on fire. Not because the music is great. It's because your glory is great. I'm just here to glorify God. I'm just here to glorify God. I just want God to get the glory. I just want God to get the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I am going to finish my due diligence portion on Sunday. I want to, I want to give you some homework. Go back and watch Sunday sermon. There is so much in what God did upstairs in that ballroom on Sunday that will mature you in the faith. Go back and watch Sunday's sermon. And everybody who God brings across your heart while you're watching it, send it to them. Tell them this is a word for your new year. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, I thank you right now for our gathering and I thank you for the word. I thank you for understanding. I thank you for increasing knowledge. 
I thank you right now for wisdom. I thank you right now for revelation. And it all comes from you. And so, God, I give you all the glory for what has gone forth. I thank you for these precious people. I thank you that you've given me an anointing to challenge them the way you challenge me. I ask you right now, God, to anoint somebody to be good soil tonight. That as the word has gone out, that it has been deposited not on stony ground, not on rocky ground. But I pray that our heart and our mind and our spirits will be good soil tonight. I pray that this word will create a harvest of righteousness in our life. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. We are going to tear your kingdom down. We're going to work the will of God. We're going to work the will of God in us until every stronghold that is challenging us and opposing us is bound up and cast down in the name.